Hello and welcome to our Thursday morning doer series with Grand Theft Life. I'm Brock and I'm here with Joel Shackleton. This profile series is dedicated to highlighting individual millennials who are breaking through the typical stereotypes and courageously using new technology to make an impact and improve their lives. For more information and links to their stories and social accounts, go to grandtheft.life and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Welcome podcast listeners to a new doers episode. This one is an exciting one for me because of my um, slight obsession with the King LeBron James. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the manager of LeBron James business um, side of things, the business side of basketball, the business side of um, his empire in Maverick Carter. I was the leader. I was architecting it, putting it together. A lot of it goes back to my roots of being a risk taker and going for And a lot of it goes to LeBron being the person who empowers people. Um, Maverick Carter is a unique individual because he was uh, someone that LeBron knew when he was a child, but is also from the same hometown. Maverick Carter took a different path to success at the outset. Um, He uh, went and played college basketball high school, decided to take an internship with Nike. And then that's where the, the relationship started to pick up. And the reason that we, we, uh, we chose Maverick Carter is because of in, in my opinion, anyways, it's his unique approach to how he decided to uh, arc his career. But then in addition to that, the way in which he identified a a trend and then also the type of person that could become something different than what was traditionally accepted in the athlete world. How do we build a company and a platform that empowers athletes to tell their story? Our tagline is, I am more than an athlete. Over years of my time working at Nike, then having my own sports management company, spending a lot of time with athletes and understanding and knowing athletes and having a lot of friends who are athletes, that they are more than athletes, but sometimes the world doesn't see them that way. So I have a I have a small bone to pick with the NHL in a lot of ways. And I mean, I have no power, but I do have a problem with the way in which they allow their athletes to be something more than just a centerman or a defenseman or goalie, as LeBron James and Maverick Carter would like to say, something more than just an athlete. So um, I think that this is a, a, an appropriate person to to um, kind of pinpoint, start to do a little bit of a dig into uh, the approach that they took to create LeBron James's career or his, um, his very uh, enormous success and then the, the little things that he does differently than everybody else, the way in which he goes about it. So, Brock, I kind of want to talk a little bit about it, at least some similarities between him and a lot of the other people that we have previously highlighted in the past. Um, I think that the, the two that are very, very obvious to me are the, the long-termism and consistency, and then the focus on a, a goal that's very far in front of them. In addition to that, they also have done an incredibly good job of identifying exactly where they want to go and the the types of people that they want to be like to create a framework to build off of. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, that thread is is definitely what we're trying to highlight. I think before we we talk too much about, you know, his consistency and how he was able to tie his his cart to the LeBron horse. I I'd be curious to know because I'm actually not too well versed in the Maverick Carter story. Can you shed some light on I know you know, there's other celebrities that have hired their close friends or childhood friends as managers. Can you tell the story of 
why why is it like what makes it Maverick Carter like different than just your average football player's buddy who's now his agent? Well, I you know that's what's different. He's not his agent, right? Um, LeBron James has a specific agent. That he this guy is strictly his business manager and the person that makes sure makes sure that he doesn't take on perhaps unadvisable risks. He makes sure that his his career is on the, the right trajectory or he's taking on the right projects or he's getting involved with the right people. In in my mind, Mav Carter is his networker. This is the guy who gets him in contact with Jay-Z. He's the guy who gets him in contact with um, Kevin Hart. He makes sure that he is choosing the right brand, that he goes with Nike instead of going with Adidas, that he decides to, to team up with um, Warner Brothers or he decides to team up with ESPN. This is those are the decisions that Maverick Carter is making. Um, his agent is more on the other side of things where he negoti- he's negotiating a lot of the deals that he's doing. So I think that there's a great little one-two punch there that they've created. I mean, to kind of I think where I get a lot of my ad- admiration for him is that I kind of want to be like him, right? Like I know you you definitely knew that was why I picked this guy, but um, I just think that the the way in which he's gone about it has been really interesting to me he didn't start he didn't go to an ivy didn't get his mba and then go and tap lebron on the shoulder and be like yo bro i'm from akron um you sh- you and i should be teammates or we or i'd like to hitch my my cart to your horse and let's make a go of this he definitely went about it a little bit more uniquely he didn't do it the traditional route in which would be expected for a business matter manager like him i mean him going and interning at nike and then meeting him th- that route was I guess in in a lot of senses, kind of backing your way into a super yeah. phenom horse, right? So, a little um, it is. I mean, I think it was forced. Definitely, he definitely knew what he was doing, and I mean, the fact that he knew him previously is obviously very helpful. But also, I mean, that the fact that LeBron James has chosen to go with because initially he actually didn't have uh, he it was somebody else, right? Yeah, his his agent. What's his agent's name? I'm I'm blanking on him right now, but his agent wasn't initially uh, Rich Paul. It was somebody else, and yeah. at at the fir- at first, and then he decided to then choose Rich Paul, who has now become like oh, I'd love to do another episode just on Rich Paul. The guy is an absolute superstar. He's without a doubt the fastest growing um, agent in in the NBA, and they're they're starting to build quite the empire um, amongst them all. But kind of back up a bit. He it just he he took a different route, but I think what resonated was the fact that was the story and the narrative that he pitched LeBron James, and I think that was something that LeBron James wanted too, and that was probably the serendipity that was required for them to hit it off and then create and cement that relationship where they both had very si- similar desires for LeBron James himself. What was his pitch? Is I think I mean I wasn't in the room, but it was yeah. it was that he wasn't going to be the traditional assembly line athlete. He wasn't going to be your Connor McDavid's, your Sidney Crosby's. He wasn't going to be your like your traditional superstar that isn't really bigger than the sport in which he plays. I mean, yeah, Sidney's a good guy, but like, who is he otherwise if he isn't a hockey player? LeBron James is fifteen other things if he's not a basketball player. Right. And they identified identified very early on that if LeBron James wanted to have an empire, it can't be just basketball. And that, I think, is what resonated with him. You couldn't tell them, oh, no, we're going to get you Gatorade. We're going to get you Nike. We're going to get you all of these great brands. 
well, that might sound sexy in like the traditional sense of how athletes would um, build their net worths and and do well in the future. But in reality, the thing that they did differently that, in my opinion, actually aligned incredibly well with the development of all these new medium or social media mediums, it, it, everything just kind of fell into place. But um, they were they wanted to be more than just that superstar. They wanted to have movies. They wanted to have commercials. They wanted to invest in football teams and soccer teams and five guys and do all of these huge, big things that basketball players are just starting to do today. They were first. I mean, sure, there was, I mean, Michael Jordan, but I think Michael Jordan just lucked into that. LeBron James and in, in the moves that he made, I I mean, outside of him being born a like this with perfect genetics, I think everything was premeditated. Everything he does has a this this structure to it, and then he just goes out there and takes his swings. All right, so let's say you were college buddies with Zion Williamson, or the, <laughs> whoever the next LeBron is. What's your what's your roadmap for him? Well, that's the thing. It's actually that's you don't need to you don't need to take something drastically different than LeBron James. So that's that's where at the beginning of the the story of LeBron, where they, I'm guessing they went and pitched this guy, this superstar. I mean, they're buddies, but they're like, okay, no, you can trust us. This is what we want to do. They're like, we want you to be very similar to Magic Johnson, and we want to take a, a little bite size um, piece of Michael Jordan, like being a, the greatest ever plus. Um, getting into shoes. So, I mean, if I'm Zion Williamson, um, I mean, I develop a personality. I lose 40 pounds. Not that he's fat, just so he can stay fit, lean, and 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 play forever like LeBron. But then also have have opinions. You know, get in front of the camera, take on like um, very important ideas of the moment that boost you who you are. That in some ways endear you and like give you that that edge that the culture and the um, the country of America want to see, you know that's what LeBron is. He's Do you like, think it's still okay to be public with those beliefs before you've built your platform? Like I was looking on Maverick Carter's Wikipedia, he's been his manager since 2006, and only in the last couple of years have I heard him speak out politically. It might just be that I'm paying more attention now, but. Do you think it's still okay for athletes like as they're on their way up to be vocal? I think that LeBron's just my absolutely I do. I mean, sure your your reputational risk is well yes, LeBron has more reputation to lose, but I mean it's almost indestructible at this point. Um Zion's is definitely more volatile. But I mean again, if you want to be a, an ultra superstar and you want to have an empire like LeBron James, you have to take those risks. You have to have, you have to have you have to risk the like the you have to risk your reputation if you want to be um, cemented in society the way in which LeBron James has. So if you want to be like that zero 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 one percent, that's the that's the route you have to take. But if you're if you're comfortable being Clay Thompson, we'll do what Clay Thompson does. But Clay Thompson doesn't sell out arenas in the same way that LeBron James does. Clay Thompson is not going to be Space Jam 2 and 3. So Yeah. I think it takes a special person though cuz it kind of speaks to the Colin Kaepernick thing, right? Like he he's not LeBron, so he got canceled. <laughs> I don't think uh, Cap didn't get canceled, man. He got paid his whatever 20 to 60 schmilly from from the league and then he got his line from N- Nike. I mean, he got canceled in terms of like 
it's also, you know what, a lot of this has, you know, we should give a little bit of um, credence to Adam Silver, which is the, he's the commissioner of the NBA. He gives way more power to the players than any other league does. They allow, he allows them to have a platform. Like in 2014, I think, and I, I'm going to screw up the murder and I don't want to, it's not that I'm trying to be rude, but LeBron James and his entire team wore can't breathe shirts onto the floor. And that reverberated through the entire league. It had to do with the unfortunate murder of, uh, we'll, we'll throw in his name and I'm, I'm blanking on it, but that Eric had Garner. Eric Garner and um, that meant a lot. Um, there was people that are saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't politicize these things and have it. Um, uh, you shouldn't be doing this on, at work. The ownership shouldn't allow it. But what does Adam Silver do? He goes and he backs up his athletes like, the, like he should. And he gives them the power to go and talk about these important things. And even if, like, say hypothetically, it's a, it's a topic where it's incredibly divisive in the same way that it was with Kaepernick. Having your commissioner come out and do that and risk um, viewership on it is powerful. But then it also helps for the players to build their brands. And that has like a more knock-on effects and viewership with the NBA. And it's the reason why it's so, it's so damn popular. It's so great because you have relationships with more than just the team. You have relationships with the players too. So, I mean, I think that that has been, or LeBron has largely benefited from the fact that Adam Silver has been incredible. You have all of these new media platforms that are, so like LeBron's on three different waves as well, as well of progress. Um, he's, he's downwind. But he's also the the guy blowing too, because like nobody has the same capacity that he has. Anyway, I love LeBron. Let's get back to to kind of like where Mav Carter had, plays a role in this. And you know what, he 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 identified really early on in in um, LeBron's career that he just said, LeBron, focus on being incredible because the longer that you're good or the best, the more likely we can be. We the bigger we can build this this empire that you're, you're trying to build. So let me deal with getting you in the door with Liverpool. Let, let me, uh, let me in the door with you and the Boston Red Sox ownership and five guys burgers and with ESPN or with all of these massive opportunities that LeBron James has um, kind of barreling down at him. All just go and focus on being a superstar and being the greatest basketball player in the world. We willing to put in the work and then the, and then continue down that road even when things get bad like not everything has been necessarily like start all like unicorns and rainbows right like you probably don't remember this because you're not much of a, an NBA fan but when LeBron James decided to leave Cleveland and and go to the heat he did this show which was like the most watched show in all of like American television for that year and it was called the decision where he sat on TV and he told everybody where he was going to go and decide to get, um, to sign with when he was a UFA. Well, everybody is on pins and needles across the country, particularly those teams who are in the running for LeBron James. You ready to go, LeBron? Where's, where's the powder? Left it at home. <laughs> I left. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? Um, in this fall, man, this is, this is very tough. Um, in this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, joined the Miami Heat. So it, it was kind of painful, and that was really reputationally hazardous for him. And that was, I mean, while, yes, harmful, it showed the power of Le LeBron James. The numbers on that show were obnoxious. It was like 
it, it was equal with the Super Bowl was how important that was. But it just showed how um, powerful he was as an individual and not a team. So it separated him from his, his basketball team, and then it made him about himself. And reputationally, that it took a huge hit because when you separate yourself from your team, you're no longer a team guy, and you're now um, – what, what did Shaq say? He was like, uh, there's no I in team Kobe. And Kobe's like, yeah, but there's a me. And like LeBron James kind of in some ways embodies that as much as he is a good – it seems like on the floor he's a great team player and, and probably in the dressing room, but he's also incredibly aware of how powerful his brand is and how um, how important it is for him to build that. And he identified those things. And I think it had a lot to do with Rich Paul and Mav Carter and the team that he built around him early on in his career saying, you've got to do these things, bro, if you want to be the Magic Johnson if you want to own a, a, a basketball team when you retire at 42, 50, or whenever he actually gets hurt for, for, for the first time, whenever you do that, you can, you're going to have all of these opportunities that no other player on earth has. Other than, other than Michael Jordan, name a player that owns a team. You can't, you know? And, and, and to me, um, Mav Carter, yes, got lucky, found his superstar. But, I mean, there's so many superstars out there. It doesn't have to be a human can be a company. It doesn't have to be a company even. It can be an idea. There's all of these things that are, are con- or it could be a technology, you know? There's so many, so many waves out there that human beings can, can jump on and then um, take a lot of these, these learnings, in my opinion, that he's, he's applied to his career and, and go with it, right? You're not going to be as famous as him, likely. But who cares? Why do you want to be anyway? It's better to be rich than... Or what is it? You're you're better to be anonymous and rich than to be rich and famous. But yeah, I like the analogy you're drawing to like finding your wave. But what analogies could you draw from Matt Carter on LeBron's wave to anybody else? Like I I hear you saying he needs to build a team. What else would you say that you've taken from Matt Carter? You know, in terms of like those analogies you're drawing. Well, like for me. It's, I mean, in my own career, it's, it's identifying um, markets that are compounding, things that are growing. I mean, for me, that was, I, I found finance and something that um, I was good at. I think that um, anybody who, who thinks that any form of video um, creation is, is the wave of the future, is it, it would be really, really smart for you to get involved in that in some capacity, thinking that video games could be a, a huge market in the future. Um, maybe finding an athlete in that. And being like, hey, there, there's a really great opportunity for you to become ninja. Going and finding these people and then uh, taking an opportunity to reach out to them and then say, yo, I want to do what Mav Carter did, but I want to do it for you. And this is how we're going to go about doing it. And give them five, six, seven reasons and and strategies for it. And like, take your shot, kid, because no one's going to get mad at you for doing that. In I mean, one of the interviews I, I listened to with Mav Carter, he said the biggest mistake he made was when he started his own company, managing LeBron James, his goal was to find other people just like LeBron. So he was spreading his attention to other superstars or other people that he maybe would be able to hire. But he said that was his single biggest mistake. Do you think that's similar to you know, finding an Amazon or finding a technology then looking for the next best thing? Or how do you think about no. that? Here's here's my opinion on that. Um, he's lucky. 
he has LeBron James. You can't. There's a lot of there's a lot of good to be found in selling early, and then going and diversifying. It's okay to do that. It might have been a mistake. It would be a mistake if would it feel like a mistake if Jeff Bezos sold Amazon at two hundred bucks? Yeah, and then he went and tried something else and it wasn't quite as big. Of course, it seems like a mistake. But if Amazon went to zero after that, or let's say LeBron James breaks his leg um, in game two of the back-to-back finals in the Heat series with the Maverick or whatever it was, I, I, whatever year, I can't remember who they played. Either way, if he ends up breaking his leg and then he's no longer LeBron James, would, he, would it be the worst decision of his life that he went and found another superstar? No. It's like if we said Scooter Braun diversifying from Bieber was a bad move. Like to me, he's saying that because it's it's a ben- he's benefiting from hindsight. So I disagree with that, and so I would never ever tell somebody. Like it's just so hard to ever say that, especially for somebody in his, I mean, in his shoes. But it, very easily, and probably there's a lot of likelihood there that he could have failed miserably, or things could have gotten substantially worse. And LeBron doesn't turn into LeBron. So I'd never, ever would ever advise somebody to, to sell high, even if it's not the highest. It's okay to take, your, to, to, to take your winnings and then diversify. That's not bad. And not only that, he probably learned from it. So Mav, I disagree. <laughs> so um, now that we've kind of gone through it all, I, I, have, I would like to get your opinion on the, the, the whole media strategy that they're taking. Um, to kind of separate LeBron from basketball, because I think they they could do more. I think they're being a little bit like, at least in my opinion, they're they're staying in one specific lane too much, and it's it's very much revolving around media acting, and in him owning a sports team. He's not really um, going into any other realms. I mean, he is investing; those are all great things. But is there anything more that he could do? You think? Like, could he be bigger elsewhere? I don't know. He's pretty big. I'm looking at this. You remember that post from David Peril about naked brands? Yeah. Which is just his term for, I don't know, actually remember the thesis behind naked brands. It's just like people are bigger than themselves or bigger than the sport, similar to what Mav Carter is talking about for LeBron, but how basketball and society are so closely intertwined. He highlights the fact that LeBron has like 40 million at the time, 40 million followers on Instagram, whereas ESPN is like, I don't know, 5 million or something. Nine million. Um, Could they be doing more? I don't know. Like you're saying in terms of when you hit a home run or when you knock out of the park so many times, like in my mind, you're uh, the reward for being more risky kind of goes down, kind of diminishes. You're more in like protectionist mode almost, I think. Yeah, man. Like in my mind, you you go and you you hook up with with Warren B out there in Omaha and you're like, hey, buddy. How'd you take a billion to 90 with like not a ton of risk? How'd you do that? Like here they are, they are They're I think in a lot of ways, I mean, they made it and mm-hmm. they're the biggest. Not only that, their audience asset is almost indestructible. Uh, to me, it's almost like they need to diversify from the traditional way of going about it. Like the rock is like mm-hmm. to me, LeBron's the rock, mm-hmm. but bigger if that's possible. Even I don't even know. Like if I'm Mav Carter, I go and I, f- I figure out, okay, how do I do it quiet like Warren Buffett did? You know, how do I create my own Berkshire Hathaway? Because that, I mean, that's where they can really do damage. Do you like the strategy of like Jay-Z took with title? 
and basically saying, I've seen equity leverage plays work out in people's favor. So I'm just going to leverage my social capital to make all of these friends of mine who are rappers be you know, exclusive to my platform. Do you think there's, do you think that's the right strategy? And if so, do you think LeBron could do that something similar? Not with title. <laughs> I mean, title sucks. However, I mean, I do like the idea of leveraging your social capital and taking deals like where you can, and you know, these guys are doing that attaching LeBron James name to a program or a burger or a stadium or some sort of product. There's a ton of value there where you're essentially taking zero risk and taking all the upside by not putting any sort of cap, like actual monetary capital and putting it in. Right. I think that that, that um, Jay-Z um, has kind of invented that game. Same thing with P Diddy and stuff, right? All those guys doing it with alcohol. That is sure. I think that's fantastic. And they could probably do a lot more of it, but again, you can't, you can only spend so much. Right. So, I like what we were talking about before when remember we we said that it's possible that individual people will will buy up brands and maybe not start them from scratch, but just reinvigorate nostalgia. No, I actually like that. You you brought this up a, even a couple of months ago when you're 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 talking about the idea of superstars buying brands that are dying or dead and have that that um that unique uh, the uniqueness about them that that has that nostalgic effect that human beings really like and um, they can buy it for pennies on the dollar and then build it out again in upcoming podcasts we should really write these down and figure out the ones that we think are going to get bought by people from like a prediction perspective yeah. and just be like yep told you so in in a couple <laughs> of years i think that's a really good idea yeah uh, i'd be interested to know which one would work really well with lebron um i really don't know I don't know. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. I like but Lay's. He, yeah, Lay's chips. Yeah, you know what? He could definitely do that. They could really use a LeBron James in that Lay's game. Yeah. Maybe maybe turn it into a, the new Domino's and make him good again. Because that's an idea. Hey, maybe, you know what? We could replace Mav. <laughs> we got an idea. Or maybe we can get Zion, out of that Zion, team. I know you're listening. <laughs> but I want to shift here. And I think this would be really cool. So like, when you're done... Your, your superstar marathon running career. Um, what would you do after that, you think? Like in, in LeBron's case, uh, Mav Carter has, uh, has kind of um, hinted at the idea that, um, I mean, he's never leaving LeBron, but LeBron James, he literally says, is going to own an NFL or an NBA team. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't know. You're going to have to pry that out of the I don't think it's that hand. big of a stretch. Like, 100% owner, maybe. <laughs> It'd be a little bit of a stretch, but like you only need what two billion dollars. He's already made in his career four hundred million. He's probably oh, no, worth I a billion think, and a half. I mean, he can get a loan on that. That's okay. Yeah, he doesn't have to have. You don't have to pay cash for those those those. Uh, yeah, uh, those teams. It's it's that he definitely has the money to do it. Uh, it's just it's super hard to get the team or have the team become available, and then you have to go and buy it. Right. It's still an old boys club, which I hope he breaks. Like I really do. However, I mean, it's is that something that you would want to do? Would you stick in the in the sport in which you were the best yeah. in? I mean, Man, it would be fun. It's an interesting question because I think when you get to, I mean, I have no idea like <laughs> what it's like to be that rich, but I think a lot of nostalgia comes into that as well. Like 
it would be easy for you to sit on the sidelines, just invest in fixed in- income and do nothing. Yeah. But what I, I what I've noticed from reading a ton of bios from entrepreneurs and, and wealthy athletes is they want to make an impact. They want to like humans are the only creature on earth that can see past our death and we want to have a legacy. So yeah, we want to live on forever eternity Yeah, or living on in eternity sounds really nice for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. Like LeBron James wants a taller statue than, yeah. than Kobe. Exactly. So he I mean, wants to be immortal. That's what we all want. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people do, right? Like, you know, Connor McDavid wants a taller statue than Gretzky. 100%. And you know what? If I have anything to say about it, it's going to be. <laughs> but like, but yeah, I think, no, like, I get it. For me, to answer your question, again, I think it, it would be really exciting to just jump on big waves and probably would keep doing that. But I think it would be also very exciting to make like a significant impact somewhere. And especially if you had the ability to do that, that was something relevant to to your like upbringing or your story that was authentic to your story. So, you know, if that meant something to do with Alberta or, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that'd be cool to say you like went back to you and helped out in some significant way. What would you do? <laughs> No, you know what? I, I, this isn't something I've ever even thought about. So, uh, the fact is, is that I think owning a sports team is like the pinnacle for a lot of people. Don't you think that's just like a big swinger move a little bit? Yeah. Well, there's like two, there's two levels on the swingers. There's, uh, there's like LeBron. He's kind of just a baby. So you, when you're really rich, you want to buy a, t- a sports team, right? And based on your level of rich, you buy up into, the different levels of sports leagues. You got the NFL at the peak, or you have like soccer, NFL, kind of MLB, NBA, kind of flirting with each other. Then you got way down here by the NHL. And that's when like super rich guys buy up those those assets. And then there's like big dick swingers, and then they go to Mars. <laughs> and they buy, rocket they build rocket companies. <laughs> Or you like decide to solve world hunger, or you you oh, decide yeah. that like you're get gonna go to polio. Africa, yeah, get rid of polio, or you're gonna like you're gonna you're gonna make it, make energy for forever. You're gonna yeah. solve nuclear energy. That's what like big brains and big swingers do. Yeah, LeBron James isn't solving polio anytime soon. Yeah, so I aspire to own a junior B team like somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I one day want to have the the Vancouver Giants, you know? Not bad. That's not nothing. That's not nothing. It's not nothing. Michael Bublé's got it, and I'd love to hang out with Michael Bublé. That guy's handsome. Anyway, I think we beat this horse to death. Anyway, I'm 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 a huge LeBron James guy. I can't wait for him to to you know what go down as being better than than MJ. But that's for another argument and another day. What do you what do you think he, like if you have any predictions what do you think he does do you think he does anything significant after Well if the NBA is is actually going to finish this season I think he wins this year I think he wins again after that I think he gets two more rings pulls the pl- and then he plays one year with his son who gets drafted I think in 2022 and then he pulls the pin and he goes and he buys a team and if there's a team that he probably get, could pull off buying, it's the Lakers because that ownership is a joke. Um, but I mean, 
I don't think he's going to do anything too wild. He's going to be the biggest. Mav Carter's going to help him get there. And uh, he's going to do some cool things, but I don't have, I'm not that creative. Man, the Lakers are going to cost him like $6 billion by that time. Yeah, but he, he again. Why wouldn't he just he, go by the Cavaliers and say sorry one more time? Oh, that would be funny because I still would rather own the Lakers. I don't care where you're from. Well, duh. Yeah, but like money's free, dude. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> the 30 year treasury is like 1.38%. Like, you're telling me like the Lakers aren't going to be worth more in 20 years? I mean, maybe not, but I'm more willing to take that risk. I seriously want to know, though, what your pitch would be. Not to Zion. Let's say, let's say. Let's do a pitch episode. You want to do a whole separate episode? You're going to prepare yeah, a deck for me? I, 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 yeah. How, how? Just like Entourage? I'm pitch Zion Williams. McDonald's. Pepsi. <laughs> Gatorade. Google. <laughs> Tesla. <laughs> ESPN. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on Sunday. High school graduates, straight to the league. I ain't waiting for my knee to blow. Yesterday, I was needing this dough. Get it? I was needing this dough. If you made it all the way to the end, thanks so much for listening. Again, if you want additional context to the people we're highlighting in this Doer series, you can find links to social accounts and anything else we mentioned at grandtheft.life. We'll be back next Thursday morning with another Millennial Profile. By the way, this should be common sense, but this podcast and our website are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Joel does work for Gold Investment Management, and all opinions expressed by him, myself, or any podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of GIM. Clients of Gold Investment Management may actually hold positions discussed in this podcast. Have a good day, everyone.